Hey there, welcome to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast, a space to talk about all things life, fertility, parenthood, and everything in between. My name is Elizabeth. I am an international fertility coach, ICF certified life coach, birth and bereavement doula, and new parent educator. Join us as we support the tribe throughout their journey from conception to bringing your new baby home and everything along the way. See you in the episode. Welcome back to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. I am thrilled today to have Caitlin Soleil. She is a therapist and an author, and I can't wait to dig into all things that go in on your world, I should say, um, because I I feel like this whole therapy, mindset, psychology, all those things is just, I geek out on it. I'm like obsessed with it all. So welcome. Thanks for Thank being you. here. Yeah, it's so good to be here. I love your podcast. Thanks for having me on. And I geek out on all those things too. (laughs) Right. I know people are like, oh, what book are you reading? And for 25 years, it's been some sort of self-help book, you know, like, (laughs) that's what I love. Every Brene Brown book ever written. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was even before she was really around and doing her thing. But yeah. Um, So tell us a little bit about what you do. What do you specialize in? What, tell us, yeah. What's your day to day? tell you all the things. So um, it's a lot right now, just like every other um, mom trying to juggle all the things. I am a therapist. um, So I have a private practice in Northern California, a pretty full private practice these days as there's a lot of people, you know, needing help um, working through anxiety, stress, overwhelm. I specialize clinically in women's mental health and anxiety. Those are kind of my two clinical jams. Um, and then last year or about a year and a half ago, I decided to start writing a book, kind of bringing together all of the things that I had kind of um, understood about what helps people grow and improve their mental health, both as a clinician and then in my own life as a real life mom. And so I am also a writer. I'm, my first book is coming out in a couple weeks. Um, well, I don't know when this will air, but it comes out March 15th. Um, it's called A Little Less of a Hot Mess. The Modern Mom's Guide to Growth and Evolution. So that has been my passion project for the past year and a half. It's it's been just a lot. I've been pouring a lot into that. So, and then I love that title so much. Thanks. Yeah, it was a. It's a funny story how we came up with that title. Um, But beyond my work life, I am a little bit of a hot mess myself. I have three kids under seven and. Um, I just like to keep things busy and crazy, but also with that comes a lot of hot messness. So yeah, that's me. (laughs) Yeah. I had, they were three under three for me. They're now five, two, three, and five. So I feel you. Oh yeah. We're on the same boat. It is intense, right? Yeah. Yeah. So again, when you started saying you, you mental health and anxiety for women Mm -hmm. Obviously, when you said that, I'm like, oh my gosh, what woman doesn't have a little bit of either of those in some form or fashion? Yeah. Do you do you think that most people actually do rather than not, or do you feel the opposite? Well, I think it's interesting because we kind of talk about it in two. They were talking about kind of two different things. My whole hope in in talking about mental health and on podcasts and out there in the world and through the book is to help people understand that when we're working on our mental health, it doesn't mean that we have to have a disorder or be sick or be, yeah. you know, whatever it is. I think that it's just, I, I, I want to be able to help our, you know, 
kind of break down the stigma and transition into this place in the world where we all recognize the power of mental health. I think we're getting there. Um, so there's that kind of work where we're, I think like what you're saying is almost every person, every human right now has some level of anxiety, stress, overwhelm, um, just life is a lot. So there's that piece of it. And I love working with people like that. And that's really who I'm speaking to in the book. And then we have people who are really in a little bit more deeper struggle. And that's where we get into like the anxiety disorders, where it's like disrupting, you know, kind of their life in a really big way. And, and so that's the work that I do, you know, specialize in doing in my in my therapy practice. So I think there's a spectrum. But to answer your question, yeah, yeah I think we all struggle. Yeah with anxiety on some level or, or another, at least, at least stress or overwhelm. And I have rarely met a single person who is like, I've never experienced what it feels like to be anxious. I think it's just part of a human experience. Yeah. And I think the reason that I kind of say that so boldly in, in, in a sense is because I, I do want that to be normalized and for people not to think that the, something's wrong with them. Like that is yeah. just the way yeah. the world's kind of right now. And to your point, there are varying degrees and, and varying times of your life, right? Like sometimes people will have a period where they're super great and feel like they have it all together and they aren't dealing with anything and then maybe something triggers them. Um, what are some tips that you find for somebody who maybe doesn't have like a diagnosed situation happening, but every day they just feel a little bit off? Like, I don't feel super happy. I don't necessarily feel like I need to go on medication, but you know, what, are there any tools that you would suggest for people to do yeah. just to kind of get themselves to the next place of feeling a little more, yeah. I mean, more joy, more whatever word you want to say that you're trying to get to. Yeah. More joy, more freedom, or just like kind of like more balance in their life, whatever the heck that is. Yeah. I would say, all of the above. <laughs> yeah, all of the above, right? I would say the first thing is, and the first step is just like what you were saying is acknowledging that something feels a little off, right? So the first step is like, just checking in with yourself and your life to see like what, wh where, when am I experiencing this feeling? Like what kind of situations are, am I experiencing these feelings of, you know, nervousness or, or um, worry or sadness? And like, can I shift my environment in a way that those things um, aren't affecting me so much? So for example, maybe you're feeling more overwhelmed and stressed than you ever have in your whole life. And again, that's very common these days. What is it in your life that you can maybe shift or change? Could you be, this is so cliche, but I'm just going to say, could you be asking for more help at some, you know, in somewhere in your life? Could you let go of something that isn't as important to you anymore? And where we start though, so, so we start with that acknowledgement. We start with that. And then we go to that like kind of assessment of like, what is actually going on? Where is this coming from? Or maybe there's a past trauma coming up that we haven't actually dealt with that we need to deal with. So getting really curious. And then step two, and this is the most important thing I think here is figuring out what it is that you value right now in your life, like not what you used to care about or what you thought you should care about, but what it is that you actually do care about and choosing to put those things at the top and letting kind of all the other things fall away if they can. I know that's a very kind of like high level explanation, but I guess the point is to get curious and then kind of get really reacquainted with yourself and what it is that matters the most to you. Then if you feel like you're still struggling, you're not really able to kind of like those like um, behavioral and environment shifts aren't really helping, 
then I would say definitely reach out for help. You know, there's fabulous therapists, there's fabulous coaches, there's all kinds of different support systems that we have for people these days. It's just a matter of speaking up and asking for help. And what would be the difference of somebody who's thinking, okay, maybe I actually do need to go on medication. How does somebody know that? Like they need to speak to their therapist and is that a on paper evaluation? Is it just like a, they're talking through certain things? How does that work? Can you talk yeah. us through the process of how that yeah, works? Yeah, good question. So say you're like, okay, I'm struggling. Um, I'm not quite sure what this is, but I do think I need some help. And so what I would suggest is that you um, that you reach out to like somebody you trust, whether it's a friend or a family member. Um, if you have one that you know has been in therapy and has some good resources, maybe they have a therapist they can recommend, or you can go online, do all kinds of searching there, find somebody to talk to, start there. They're going to be able to help direct you in the right place. Maybe they're not the right fit for you, but they'll be able to at least direct you to somebody who is. Um, and then, you know, cause it's not a given that you're going to need to go on medication. Of course, it's like, maybe for most of my clients, they're just needing some extra support through therapy. Um, and you know, and then some of them do end up feeling like medication can be helpful. So as a therapist, I don't prescribe medication. What I would do is if I feel like my client is struggling and really needing something more, then I refer them to a psychiatrist or their doctor to get a medication evaluation. But I'll say this good point here is that yeah. any, any good, like qualified therapist should be doing an assessment. They should be, like you said, on paper or on whatever, on Zoom, whatever it is there should be some assessment happening so they can get a picture of what's actually going on with you and then tell you about that. And otherwise, um, it's like, it's like trying to like, what's that saying? Like throw spaghetti at the wall and see if it sticks. Like we can't just throw interventions at people without knowing what is actually going on. So I would start with talking to somebody. And, yeah. And speaking of talking to somebody, what is the cadence that you recommend for people to actually see a difference in their life? Yeah, it really depends. I know that's the answer nobody wants to hear. Uh, it really depends on like what kind of issues that are coming in for. So for example, if it's this kind of run of the mill, which not to downplay it, but if it's this like kind of like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm five years into motherhood. I don't know who I am anymore. I really want to like reclaim some parts of myself and feel better. Like, that could just be a few sessions, right? That could just be four to six sessions or four to six weeks of work or however, there's so many different ways to do it these days. Maybe it's a group workshop or an online thing you're signing up for. That can be brief. But if you're coming in to get treated for like a lifelong anxiety disorder, like that kind of worry that you've had forever and ever, I would say it can be anywhere from, you know, 12 sessions to like three months to six months maybe even a year, but typically I'd say three to six months is a good amount of time to start to spend in therapy and to start really noticing some big differences. If you're not noticing big differences after like six months, um, I would really just want to get another opinion or, or kind of evaluate if, if it's a good fit or not. And that's once a week every for six months. Yeah. I mean, that's traditionally, right. The way that we were trained to do therapy. I don't think it has to be that way anymore. Um, I think, especially because I work with women and moms, like we're really like, Hey, it's maybe once every couple of weeks, or maybe it is once a week. It really just depends on how, what you need and how quick you want to start to see change. If you want to see change quicker, 
it's really going to be weekly therapy with some a lot of practice in between sessions. So it's not just like go to therapy for 45 minutes and then your life has changed, as you know, as a coach, right? It takes these in-between steps. Um, and, and I think in good therapy, we help our clients kind of figure out what to work on in between sessions. Yeah, the homework part sometimes is hard for people to get their head around that they that it's they actually do need to put in some work on it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what if somebody's having trouble motivating to do that in between work? Do you have any suggestions for that? Yeah, like, yeah, good point. I think so. So often, like you're like, okay, I went to therapy, I did my thing, I should be feeling better, and then, like you said, it's like oh, wait, I have to put in the work myself. Like that feels, that feels hard. Right. And I get it. Cause it's just like one more yeah. thing. Um, so I would say for people who are struggling with motivation, um, you know, I would really encourage them to think about like their why, like, why did I want to do this? What's my driving force? Is it because I want to be, you know, I want to show up better for myself. I want to show up better for my kids. I, I want more freedom in my life. Like a lot of my anxiety clients, it's like, or a lot of my clients who struggle with anxiety, it's like, I don't want anxiety to make my choices anymore. Like I want to make my own choices. So coming back yeah. to your why and let that motivate you to, to, to do the work. And that might look like challenging yourself to do things that are out of your comfort zone. It might look like meditation. It might look like journaling, but just, yeah, using that as your motivation. That's great advice. So yeah. tell us a little bit about your book. I, can you give us a sneak peek as to, as sure. to what it's about and how it came about too. Yeah, please. absolutely. Yeah. So a little less of a hot mess. Um, it was the beginning of the pandemic, gosh, whenever that was. And I remember thinking that I was, I, I knew that there was going to be like, I was already feeling the struggle. I knew there was going to be a lot of moms deeper in struggle than they already were. And I thought like, what if I could just share all the things that I had already learned as a mom and as a therapist, in this way that felt like really approachable. I think when we look at, you know, self-help and personal growth books, a lot of times it feels like, yeah, that, that sounds good, but like, it doesn't really seem attainable for me in my life. And so I really wanted to write a book that was like a cross between hearing from your best mom friend who just happens to be a therapist, right? Um, and also give people real practices that they, that they could do. So it's a resource. Um, the book is about what I call this process of imperfect personal growth and evolution. So it's these kind of gentle invitations into growth. And the reason or the way that I identified kind of the places to focus on were all the places that I found myself and my clients getting stuck in real life. And so, for example, the first chapter is like, is you're invited to feel you're invited to um, be uncertain. You're invited to set boundaries. So the, all these things that we struggle with as women and then kind of helping us work through how to, you know, set up our life in a way that we can live more in line with our values. So the book really, again, is a mixture of my own motherhood journey and the journey of so many of the women that I've worked with. Um, and what I, what, I, what I think is so funny talking about the name is I was sitting there on a call with my publisher and she, she like jokingly was, I think we were talking about how I said, I'm a little bit of a hot mess. And she's like, wait a minute, that's actually the perfect title for the book. <laughs> and I said, what about a little less of a hot mess? And so it kind of came up organically like that. And the idea is that it's 
okay to be a hot mess. We all are, yeah. whether, whether we look like it on the outside or not, um, on the inside, like we all know like life is hard and we have challenges. And so if we can kind of make these micro shifts, these, these little changes in our life, like we could all be a little less of a hot mess. So that, yeah. that's my, that's my book spiel. And, and that's how kind of the idea arose. I, I love that. And it reminds me of, I was thinking today or yesterday about my sons. And as I said, they're two, three and five right now. And they just have this full energy of whatever, whatever they're feeling, they're feeling right. So the highs, the lows, the joy, the dancing, when they feel, hear music, all the things, you know, it's so cute, but sometimes annoying too. Right. Totally. And I was thinking, <laughs> what, what point do you shift that behavior in your life to realize, Oh, that's not socially appropriate for me to be dancing like this when I hear music or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when you said about the permission for boundaries and all of that th- sort of thing as well, it reminds me of when did we shift to say, because children are very clear about like, no, I don't want to do that. No, I don't feel like doing that or that doesn't feel good to me or whatever to as women, especially coming in, but to be like, okay, yeah, you know, they have a hard time saying no or whatever it may be in, in whatever context. Yeah. Uh, but when does that shift for people? I'm so glad you said that. Actually, in the book, I say children, babies are born knowing exactly how to feel, right? Like that's just how we're, we come into the world only knowing how to express exactly, truly how we feel. You know, we stomp our mm-hmm. feet when we're upset. We scream and cry when we're sad. We laugh when we're joyful. And then life happens. So I think when the transition happens is, you know, different for everyone, but especially for women, we start to get these expectations put on us, right? You know, I know when I was younger, it was from different angles of like, you know, um, you know, sit with your legs crossed, um, be nice, be kind, um, you know, sitting with your legs crossed, like that was probably, (laughs) probably good advice at some point if I'm, you know, (laughs) in certain places, but you know, um, uh, you know, it's better to be, let somebody else go first. We got all these messages about, you know, denying our own feelings in service of other people. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think it happens when we're young and, and from the girls I see and start to work with in my therapy practice, when I was seeing younger kids, I could really see that transition already starting to happen. Nine, 10, 11 years old. And you're right. I think you know, there's a, there's a point of it where, or there's an aspect where, of course, we need to teach our kids to express their feelings in ways that are um, appropriate and adaptive. Um, but none of that looks like telling them to not feel what they feel. And so it's interesting, but I think a lot of my work as a therapist is helping women relearn how to feel what they're actually feeling. Yeah. So important. And I'm sure really difficult also, you know, you think it would be super easy to just go back, but it's like our subconscious is so trained to be that way at this point. And then from a perspective as a parent, what would you suggest to, to try to keep that for their, for them? So they can still genuinely express their emotions without feeling bad about it and out without feeling like maybe I shouldn't be so excited every time somebody comes home or whatever, whatever it may be, but like that pure, like raw emotion in all ways, like how can we continue to help them cultivate that? I think for each kid, it's going to be a little different because as you know, as a mom to three, I bet each one of your child responds to things a little bit differently. Right. Um, But I know my, my general kind of thought on that is that we have to check ourselves first. So 
there are certain things that really annoy me about being about kids expressing their emotion is usually when it's un, like they're loud or they're upset about something and they're crying or they're whining like it's like nails on a chalkboard and I'm like stop it yeah. right I just want to yell yeah. stop it and sometimes I do and I think that it's okay we can give ourselves grace for those moments but I think it really starts with us and saying you know weighing our expectations is my child acting you know age appropriate you know for a four-year-old to not understand why I'm setting a limit and then get upset about it and cry is really normal. It's really age appropriate. Mm -hmm. So how can mm -hmm. I regulate myself before I say something harmful? So I think a lot of times that looks like for me and, and what I tell other moms is like, even just taking that a couple of deep breaths, maybe walking away for a minute, reminding yourself of the truth that like this is age appropriate, all those things can be helpful. And then mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if you do blow your lid, which we do, to be like, hey, you know what, honey, I'm sorry, mommy got really overwhelmed earlier, modeling how modeling, you know, to them that it's okay to say exactly how you feel. I'm sorry, I should not have yelled, you know, and then not like, but blah, blah, blah. It's just like, I'm sorry, I should not have yelled. Mom was really overwhelmed. So it's too mm -hmm. hard. I think it's regulating our reactions because it is totally normal to want to like yell, yell at our kids when they're, you know, to match their intensity. But it's also... Yeah. Step two is like that rupture and repair process. If we quote unquote mess up and yell or lose it, it's okay to say, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's actually, it's actually wonderful to say, I'm sorry. And it's really important for kids to hear us say that. Yeah. And you're reminding me too, like those times where I do lose it on the boys, I'm like, oh my God, did I just ruin them? <laughs> so that's another thing. Like, how do you know that whatever that moment is of whether it's yelling or something was said or whatever, and is there even a way to know like, oh, okay, that was the point where like, he's going to have to be in therapy oh because my gosh, I just- You're saying exactly yeah. what all moms are thinking, right? It's like, is this going to screw my kid up forever? Are they going to end up in therapy? Yeah. And I have like so much to say about that, but what, I'll keep it simple and just say that, you know, it's so, you know, short of like actual, uh, short of abuse, it's really hard to say for sure what's going to drive a kid to therapy, right? Or even sadly children who are. And I say that with so much love, Caitlin, by yeah. the way. Like, I hope no, no, I love it. I love it. I, I think yeah. the same thing. And I have, I'm jaded because I'm like, well, my kid's going to end up in therapy anyway. So whatever, right? <laughs> um, so that's actually not true. And if they do end up in therapy, I think it's a really good thing. And I think we have to shift our mindset on that a little bit too. Yeah, but yeah. yes, we do end up as moms taking on a lot of that fear of like, what if this is going to screw them up forever? And so what I want to say is, no, it likely will not so long as you do that, you know, that process of what I was talking about of rupture and repair, um, yeah. saying, you know, I overreacted, I was overwhelmed, I'm sorry, can we talk about it? Or do you want to talk about it? Kids are incredibly forgiving and resilient, and they need to see us being human. So if you just admit yeah. your humanness and give them space to be human too, um, that is the best thing that we can do for our kids. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's amazing how so many people now are so self-aware, right? So we can be better parents, but of course, as I mean, there's, there, there's a limit for all yeah. of us, right? Yeah. We start to lose it. But at the same time, we have, I say we as a collective have come so far from the previous generation, I believe, um, yes. in 
knowing better to do better for this generation that we're raising now. And thank God for that, because I think there are so many things that can be undone by a simple, I'm sorry. And I, you know, I, exactly what you just said, um, the repairing the situation where a lot of people never got that ever in their life. And that's part of it, right? It's just, that's all I ever wanted was an acknowledgement of this or that or an an apology. So I I actually surveyed um, people, my Instagram followers, and then I just like anecdotally in my own life talked to people. And I said, how often did your parents apologize growing up? Majority was never like that just wasn't a thing. Um, And I know that that was that wasn't like a official research there, but like, I just yeah. wanted to know because I know yeah. it, was, it was, it was my experience. And, and I think it was a lot of people's and I wouldn't say my parents never apologized, but it was very rare and in yeah. the way, in a way that wasn't shaming. And so mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think we've come a long way, but with that, and what I hear you so beautifully saying is like, we also need to give ourselves some grace and recognize that we're human and, we are going to have reactions to our kids being kind of difficult sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Because the funny thing is, is I always laugh. I have three boys, as I mentioned, and they're all super high energy and I am complete opposite. I'm like the most laid back, chill person you could ever meet. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a test. Like I'm being tested. Yeah. You're like, (laughs) how did I end up with three boys? And I'm one of four girls, by the way, too. So I had no exposure to boys before. Um, but it really is, I feel like, a test to all the work that I have done in my life around self-awareness and how I can approach things. But when you have a two, a three, and a five-year-old that are have their very distinct personalities and yeah, and rightfully so, I want them to, to be that. Totally. It's like, how can I come to the table to, to help them succeed in the best way for their life, right? Because they are so different than me and I want them to be. I love that they are so different than I, Yeah, but, but it's hard. It's hard. Oh man, I hear you. And I think that just what you said about like all that work that like, you know, part of you was like, gosh, how did I end up with like three high energy boys coming from where I came from? And it's so foreign to me, but all that work you did to kind of fill up your cup and, you know, around mindfulness and self-awareness and your energy is, is incredible for them. And so I would say to any mom like that, it's like, keep filling up your cup when you can keep, you know, practicing that mindfulness and that self-awareness. And again, it's okay to lose it. It's okay. You're not going to ruin your child forever, especially three little boys. Like, yeah, you know what that is? I, I show me a mom that has never lost her temper with three little boys at home. And I would just, I don't know. <laughs> True. So you mentioned your Instagram. So where else can people follow you? And, and let us know what your handle is too. Yeah. So where sure. people find you, follow you, get to know more about you and buy your book, which is coming out oh. soon. This will air right before your book. Oh, as well. awesome. Exciting. Okay. So you can follow me on Instagram. I hang out there the most. It's at well notes for her. Um, and then also my website is wellnotesforher.com. And if you go to my website at wellnotesforher.com, you can download a free, the free a first chapter of my book. I can't talk right now. Um, and check it out. See if you like it. And if you do, you can then purchase my book anywhere books are sold. It's on Amazon. It's on barnesandnoble.com and a lot of local bookshops too. So check it out. Awesome. So we can get the free chapter now. Yes. Yay. I love that. I love when people do that. I think that's the best to, to be able to kind of get a sneak peek and a little snippet of what's to come. So thank you for 
sharing that with the world. And I cannot wait to read it and tell all my friends, mom, mom friends or not, I feel like it's always good because as much as we, like you said, as much as we feel like we have it together, there's always part of us that's like, oh, but I could be doing this better. And I feel okay. like whatever. Yeah. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, the, I just want to add while the book's written like kind of for moms, it's really like all the things that I talk about in the book, like you said, it's all mental health related and just like, how do I live my life in the best way? So I think it's applicable to everyone. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thanks again, Caitlin, for being here. And I can't wait for our paths to cross again. Thank you. It was wonderful to be on. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Follow up on Instagram at the Pretty Little Tribe or at Elizabeth King underscore coaching for updates, resources, and a community to connect with. If you are looking for extra support and tools to guide you along your TTC and parenting journey, visit ElizabethKing.com. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast everywhere you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Visit ElizabethKing.com backslash Pretty Little Tribe podcast for more information on how to enter. Any review counts. I just appreciate your honest feedback so I can provide you with the best support possible in your TTC and parenthood journey. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week.